It's Thursday, August the 6th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Beirut in mourning and Sweden's losses. First, the world in brief. Lebanon's President Michel Aoun declared three days of national mourning after an explosion in Beirut killed at least 135 people and injured around 5,000. The blast, which state officials said was caused by ammonium nitrate stored in a warehouse, devastated the Lebanese capital's port area. Reports suggested that the authorities had received several warnings about its danger but failed to act. Some officials were placed under house arrest. Beirut's governor estimated that as many as 300,000 people have been left homeless. Egypt withdrew from the latest round of negotiations over the operation of the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam on the Blue Nile, a tributary of the Nile proper. Testy talks between Ethiopia, Egypt and Sudan, the latter two heavily reliant on the downstream waters of the river, have proceeded since the latter started the project in 2011. It is now almost finished. Alex Azar, America's health secretary, said he would visit Taiwan in the coming days, a decision no doubt calculated to provoke fury in Beijing. Mr. Azar will be the highest-ranking American official to visit the island state, which China claims as its own, since 1979. Under its long-followed One China policy, America does not have formal diplomatic ties with Taiwan. Joe Biden will not travel to Milwaukee, Wisconsin to accept the Democratic nomination for president at his party's convention later this month. He will do so virtually from his home in Delaware instead. Both Democrats and Republicans have dramatically scaled back their conventions, normally four-day extravaganzas due to COVID-19. Last month, President Donald Trump cancelled his event in Florida. Facebook removed a post by Donald Trump's re-election campaign in which the president falsely claimed that children are almost immune to COVID-19. Although youngsters' symptoms tend to be milder, they are still prone to catch the virus. Facebook said the post violated its policy around harmful COVID misinformation. Twitter suspended the Trump campaign's account for a similar reason. Sweden's GDP fell by 8.6% between April and June compared with the previous three months, yet many other European countries recorded double-digit drops. While most of Europe enacted harsh lockdowns to stop the spread of COVID-19, businesses in Sweden remained open. The country's own health officials concede that their policy led to a drastically greater death toll. And there are more emperor penguins on Antarctica than previously thought. Satellite imagery of the bird's droppings, also known as guano, has revealed more breeding sites on the icy continent, leading scientists to increase their total population estimates by up to 10%. However, the number of emperors is still expected to decline in the long term, owing to diminishing sea ice. And now, here's today's agenda. History's Lessons, the anniversary of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. 75 years ago today, the world met Little Boy and changed forever. The 15-kiloton atomic bomb, the first used in combat, was dropped from an American B-29 onto the Japanese city of Hiroshima. Three days later, the 21-kiloton Fat Man devastated Nagasaki. Tens of thousands died immediately, many more succumbed to the after-effects of radiation. 
For years, survivors known as Hibakusha have recounted the horrors they endured in the hope that no one would suffer a similar fate. But as Japan marks these solemn anniversaries, with few ceremonies because of COVID-19, many fret that the bomb's lessons are being forgotten. There are still more than 130,000 living Hibakusha, but their average age is over 83. So, to preserve their memories, the two cities have been recruiting a new generation of storytellers. Although the Hibakusha's goal of abolishing the bomb remains unlikely, their stories may give pause for thought before it is used again. Corporate Trinitarianism, Siemens' spin-offs Siemens' second quarter results due today come in the midst of the biggest transformation in the company's 172-year history. Once a sprawling conglomerate, it is being split into three. First, Healthineers, a maker of medical technology which announced on Sunday that it is buying Varian, an American oncology specialist, for $16.4 billion, was spun off in 2018. In September, Siemens's gas and power unit will become Siemens Energy, which just leaves the core company focused on industrial automation software and smart infrastructure. The listing of Siemens Energy is likely to be the last big move of Joe Kayser, who stepped down as chief executive in February. The disaggregation of the company is his legacy, and all three new businesses could be listed on the DAX, the index of Germany's 30 biggest listed companies in the near future. How did he pull it off? He persuaded shareholders that conglomerates foster mediocrity because of their inherent lack of focus. Unlucky numbers, India's economy. India's COVID-19 numbers have been grim recently. By Tuesday, it had recorded over 50,000 new cases each day for a week, bringing its total to over 1.9 million. India's economic numbers are almost as bleak. Moody's, a ratings agency, estimates that GDP will shrink by 3.1% this year, its first full-year fall in 40 years. Other analysts' predictions are gloomier. The April to June fiscal deficit was 83% of the whole year's target, the greatest it has been for these months in 24 years. Retail inflation reached 6.09% in June, marginally higher than the Reserve Bank of India's medium-term target of 4-6%. Today, a three-day meeting of the Central Bank's Monetary Policy Committee concludes it is expected to cut the benchmark interest rate by 0.25% to a record low of 3.5% to spur consumer spending, even if this risks stoking further inflation in the short term. Deja Duda, Poland's president. Andrzej Duda begins his second five-year term as president of Poland today. The 48-year-old, who formerly left the ruling right-wing Law and Justice Peace Party only after being elected president in 2015, narrowly won a runoff on July 12th against Rafał Turzaskowski, Warsaw's liberal mayor. Mr. Duda rallied voters with homophobic rhetoric and fear-mongering about threats to the traditional Catholic family. The public television broadcaster TVP, which Peace took over shortly after winning the parliamentary election in 2015, threw its weight behind him. After the vote, 5,847 legal complaints were made to the Supreme Court about irregularities during the campaign and the vote, and TVP's questionable role. But on August 3rd, the court declared the vote valid, ruling that although 93 complaints were fully or partly justified, they did not affect the outcome. 
expect Mr Duda's second term to further entrench Peace's brand of socially conservative populism. Coping with 2020, the American Psychological Association Convention Truly big news leaves an impression on the mind. In its annual convention, which begins today, the American Psychological Association will explore the mental health consequences of two of 2020's headline grabbers, COVID-19 and racism. To open the virtual main stage, Soledad O'Brien, a journalist, will host four talks on the psychological toll of the lockdown. On Friday, the conversation will turn to how young people are coping with the pandemic. On Saturday, an all-black, Asian and minority ethnic panel will delve into the science of racism and the convention will close with a conversation between Nyaka Ni Lamptey, a psychologist who works for the National Football League, and Demario Davis, a New Orleans Saints linebacker, on the dual threats to people of colour of COVID-19 and racism. Many will watch closely not only because of the urgency of the subject matter, but because the APA's pronouncements, whether on homosexuality or in-text citations, are influential within the discipline and beyond. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Robert Hughes, who died on this day in 2012. There's no geist like the zeitgeist. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 